0: come in the morning. This is where the fun begins. I don't want to another yard. 620 CKRM is proud to be your official voice of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders and your home for the hottest sports show anywhere. It's a new era for sports talk in Saskatchewan. Welcome to the Sports Cage with your host, Michael Ball.
3: All right, let's get after it. Show live at the corner of 12th and Rose in downtown Regina. Michael Ball here joining me across the board, filling in for Sean Kleisinger, who's away, taking care of some of his health issues, but he'll be back at the end of November, early December, with the pride of Ituna, Sask. Nick Katchmar is here, and I'm joined by my sports sidekick, Blaine Weiland, here too. He's going to be a filling in. We need a couple of Swiss Army knives to take over for Sean Kleisinger till he gets back. We're just keeping the seat warm for him till he. Comes back into the fold. The show is brought to you by, as it is on each Thursday, spreads.ca. Use the code CKRM when signing up, and you will have a bunch of different options for the promo deals they got there at spreads.ca. If you want to text in, we are always happy for you to text in. Anything you want to talk about, good, bad, otherwise, about the show, about life, whatever. If it's uh, arable, we'll do it. We're not going to. Hey, we're not going to do any Kyrie Irving-like rants here or anything like that where we let you go off. But nine three six sixty two sixty two is our text line. It's powered by Capital Ford Lincoln, the corner of Rochdale and Pasqua. And all our guests come to you via the Western Pizza hotline. When ordering Western Pizza, ask about the Rough Rider sweet deal, and you could be in the running for a uh, game day experience next year, 2023, at a Rough Rider game in a suite, courtesy of the sweet, sweet deal at Western Pizza. Lots to get to on the show. we got a great show lined up, and I'm a, I've got an awesome guest to kick off the show. Just want to tell you, the B.C. Lions got the Grey cup. In twenty twenty four, meaning they get the host that they, they don't get to win it yet, but they get the host it. They are in the running to win it this year because they're hosting a playoff game coming up on Sunday. It appears Ryan Reynolds wants to get into the NHL, not with his favorite team, the Vancouver Canucks. He owns a Welsh uh, I think it's a rugby team, if I'm not mistaken, or is it a soccer team? Uh, but he wants to maybe buy the Ottawa Senators. So and and apparently, according to Bruce Garriak who'll cool, Hopefully join us tomorrow from the National Post. It is real and genuine. Vegas is at Ottawa. Edmonton host Jersey we will hear from Oilers color commentator Bob Stoffer in a bit. Bob Stoffer joins us and he'll talk about Lee Foglin going in and also uh, Ryan Smith to the ring of honor. Montreal at Winnipeg. Nashville visits Calgary. Anaheim at Vancouver. Humboldt in Estevan for the lone SJHL game. NFL Thursday night football. The Eagles are in Houston. There's a real snooze fest for you and there's Major League Baseball the World Series Uh, we'll get more into that at about 420 Um, tied at two games apiece it's in Philadelphia tonight Phillies and Astros WHO Victoria at Calgary and that's where we start let's head out in the Western Pizza Hotline talk with the guy who joined us briefly yesterday Rob Vanstone fresh off of picking the CFL All-Stars and doing it twice <laughs> I was. I looked. I looked. You were. I. I looked. You were named Defensive Player of the Year, or even a a, a linebacker All Star Award, or anything like that, Rob.
4: Well, I, all, the number of people who have found me offensive over the years, I can't believe I didn't make that make the All Star <laughs> team on that side of the ball. Did, did you see Pete Pascoe changed his uh, Twitter description, and he is now uh, named himself a 2022. West Division All Star, I thought it was hilarious. That's awesome.
3: The Riders actually have asked for a recount of the West Division standings, so we're waiting for that.
4: <laughs> they should ask for a recount of the second last play of the West Division, the CFL uh, Championship game in 2019. That yeah. was, that's what it really would have come in. Hand.
3: You got that right.
4: Okay, Rob. For 2009.
3: Nine, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, 19 too. They could have moved the goalpost there. Hey, Rob Vanstone. Check this out, folks. Rob Vanstone will be presented the Bob Ridley WHL Award for Media Excellence prior to the start of Saturday's game with the Swift Kern Broncos at the Brand Center. Since 1986, Vanstone has graced the leader post sports pages with his coverage of the Pats Riders and local amateur sports. He's known for his high standards and integrity, uh, consistently providing sports coverage that balances fact with positivity. Quote, the WHL and Pats are proud to recognize Rob's extensive coverage of of our league in the Regina Leader Post over the past 36 years, commented WHL Commissioner Ron Robison of Indian Head. By the way, so my first question to you, Rob Vanstone, besides saying congratulations, is how much did they? Uh, how much did you pay them to let uh, you write that, uh, that that press release? <laughs>
4: <laughs> well, <laughs> you've seen my ragtag wardrobe. I'm certainly not affluent enough to afford to pull something like that off. So, uh, uh, if I could, I would. Hey but, Rob, know, it was really gratifying. Yeah,
3: what does that mean to you? Bob Ridley's along. He drove the bus and was the announcer for the Medicine Ad Tigers. Uh, definitely, uh, when you think uh, of the Western Hockey League, you think of him. But locally here, you know, when I think of the Western Hockey League growing up, I do think of Kevin Galant, You know, Rod Peterson's called games. Peter Lubartius. But I think of Rob Vanstone covering the Regina Pats. How how special is this for you?
4: I mean we've had such great people covering the Pats over the years. I mean Greg Drinnan is the dean of Western yeah. Hockey League writers. Uh, Greg Harder did did cover the Pats so well for more than twenty years. You know, Mel Isaac who unfortunately unfortunately we lost uh mm-hmm. not so long ago. Mel covered the pats when they when they won the Memorial Cup in nineteen seventy four. Uh Danny Gallagher, uh, Tom Melville. I mean there's been so been so many at the at the leader post and uh we're so uh we're so lucky to have had the, that caliber of people over the years. I'm just proud to be part of the leader post fraternity covering uh, covering junior hockey.
3: What do you like best about the Western Hockey League circuit, Rob Banstone?
4: I, I think it's, it's the hockey circuit in general. It's the people. There's no sport quite like it when it comes to the caliber of, uh, not necessarily the caliber of people, but the, the, the degree to which it is a social sport. There's two intermissions. There's scouts' rooms before the game. It's a real... There's a real fraternity of hockey people. I think the structure of the game really lends to, lends itself to that. And uh, I just there's people I met, you know, in the, in the 1980s covering hockey that I'm still in touch with today. Some of them were at my wedding, and uh, <laughs> and uh, it just that's that means uh, means a ton for me. Just just the, the people that I've just enjoyed being with, and the people have always been so accommodating and kind. I, From time to time in this business, and you know it as well as I do, you run into confrontations, people who are confrontational, and in some cases, people who have a right to be confrontational based upon something that is written or broadcast. Uh, But I can, I really, you know, push my three brain cells to the max today to try to think of bad episodes that I've had covering hockey years, specifically the Western Hockey League. And uh, there sure haven't been many. It's been a wonderful. Wonderful ride, and I'm still so lucky to be able to do it.
3: Rob Vanstone joining us here from the Leader Post. He's going to be honored before the Pats game. Now, like me, I've outkicked my coverage when it comes to my significant other, and you too have outkicked your coverage. I think I can say that. Will your Will your great wife, Chrisula, be there tomorrow to or Saturday? Sorry to uh to see you get this honor.
4: Yeah, yeah, and it's fitting because I met my I met Chrisula at a Booster Warriors game at the Crest Can on November nineteenth, nineteen ninety four and so uh, I'm so glad she could be there uh, I mean if it wasn't for junior hockey I wouldn't have met my wife, if it wasn't for junior hockey I wouldn't have spent three years sitting in the organ booth at Old Exhibition Stadium from 71 to 74 when my father Alan Vanstone was the organist for the Regina Pats, so uh, wow. I mean, there's, a real, there's a real family connection there so I'm, I'm, I'm going to be going to the game with my wife Grisula, and my uh, dear friends, Dr. Mark Anderson and his wonderful wife uh, Roxanne who have basically helped raise me, I lost I lost my dad when I was 18. Mark's been a dad and a brother and a friend to me. And, and Roxanne's been so, so huge in my life. So I'm so glad that I can share that evening with Mark and Roxanne and, uh, and my wife, Priscilla. And I was able to find a dog sitter. Thank you, Cindy, uh, for taking <laughs> care of my dog on Saturday night. It's
3: awesome, man. Hey, Rob Banstone, top five pats you've watched?
4: Um, Dale Durkach, I've never seen anything quite like Dale Durkach. I just uh, really... Thought he was tremendous, and you, anybody who knows Dale knows that he is still tremendous. But uh, I think I think Dale Durkach has got to be at the at the top of the list. Uh, you know, Doug Wickenheiser that magnificent season he had in 1979 being uh, named Canadian Junior Player of the Year. I think uh, Doug is certainly. Uh, uh, in that top five, Dennis Sobchuk. I mean, I was so lucky. I saw every home game, Dennis Sobchuk played through, got a patch from 71 to 74. So Sob- Dennis Sobchuk would be on that list. And I guess piggybacking on that, uh, Ed Sonewski, who was the patch starting goalie from, yep. uh, 72 to 75. And, uh, was the backup to Bernie Germain, uh, in the 71, 72 season. Uh, number five, there's about 4,000 candidates.
3: <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Eh? Uh,
4: you know, I'm going to put Connor, Connor Bedard in there, uh, maybe a bit of recency bias, but when you look at what he's done already uh, as a 16-year-old scoring 100 points and 51 goals, and you look at where he might go, I don't think he'll necessarily go down as one of the Pat's all-time statistical leaders because he just won't be here long enough. His 18- and 19-year-old seasons won't be spent here. But I think when you, when you look at what uh, what Conor Bedard is going to do in the professional ranks, there might be more of a parallel to Clark Gillies in that uh, there's someone who's in the Hockey Hall of Fame. Connor Bedard has so much talent, but I mean, I'm omitting so many amazing players. I am almost, if you'd give, if you'd ask me to name the top a hundred, I think I would, I would be struggling because I would be leaving out the hundred and first.
3: Interesting. Okay, Rob, before I let you go, you got another book coming out, maskless goalies. You were a part of, tell me about this. When does it come out and, and what's it all? Well, the title probably says it all, but uh, just tell us a bit about the
4: book. Yeah, it's a, it's a kind of a newspaper story that turned into a book. And, uh, it's, uh, the, the, the um, title that I've suggested, I'm not sure if they're going to go with it or not, but it's Back to the Sutures uh, Hockey's Massless Marbles. There's a lot of. I want to go through the book and count how many stitches all the goalies have taken collectively, but its uh, it was interesting because the, book, the manuscript was due on November 1st, which was the 63rd anniversary, coincidentally, of Jacques Plant wearing a mask for the first time in a National Hockey League game against the New York Rangers after he got get in the face by a shot by Andy Bathgate. Ironically, Plant and Andy Bathgate were both inducted into the Hockey Hall of Fame in 1978. And uh, it had always been kind of a curiosity of mine, dating back to those early years watching hockey, I was just intrigued that there were still two or three maskless goalies in hockey. I just couldn't believe that Gump Worsley and Joe Daly and Andy Brown would play without masks when Bobby Hall is shooting at them.
3: No kidding. And,
4: And so... Early in the pandemic period, there's a lot of there's still sports writers, but there's no sports. We were encouraged to kind of dive into some bucket list projects, and I've always been curious about maskless listoli so I wrote a feature for the Leader Post on it. And the more I dug into it, the more I loved it. I managed to sell it to the book publisher and uh, Triumph Books out of Chicago, and they've been amazing. So it's coming out next uh, fall. I just just finished it the other day, and it's just been an absolute gas to do.
3: Well, when it comes out, we'll have you in studio and we'll chat about it more in depth.
4: Okay. Look forward to it. Thank you. I'll try and uh, I'll try and survive until September. Oh, you will,
3: man. You're riding your bike and everything. And hey, well, deserved hey, man, uh, you're you're self-deprecating at a lot of times, but you are a rider, Rolodex, and you are one of the great uh, guys in this business. And you know, I could probably count on both hands how many great guys there are in this business left. You're one of them. And uh, enjoy your Just due on Saturday, buddy.
4: I certainly well. Thanks so much for the good wishes and for your time today, Balzi, and uh, my compliments to you uh, in return. Thanks, man. Take care. Take that, care. We'll see you.
3: That is Rob Vanstone joining us on the Western Pizza Hotline. We'll be joined momentarily by Bob Stauffer from the Edmonton Oilers Radio Network and up next, our clutch performance for Nick's service. This is a Thursday show of the Sports Cage for our friends at Spreads.ca on 620.
0: C- Bouncing ball
2: History. Don Larson in 1956, joined by
5: Christian Javier, Brian Abreu, Rafael Montero,
2: and Ryan Presley. A 5 nothing win in Game 4 in no-hit fashion to tie this series at two games apiece.
3: So I don't really need to add more except to tell you that was Joe Davis from Fox with the Golden Tones there on the call of that uh, epic moment in the World Series. Game 5 goes tonight in Philadelphia with the Phillies and Astros tied at two-piece, as Joe described. Our clutch performance, that's what that was, for Nick's service. Your local Massey Ferguson, Rogator, Gleaner, Challenger, and Fent dealer in Emerald Park. Give them a call. 781 1077. So the uh, CFL awards got straightened out, (laughs) I guess. Uh, So when they first came out, CFL uh, All-Star nominations uh, 1.0 Key and Schaefer Baker was the All-Star. But then they screwed up and they retabulated and Key and Schaefer Baker isn't an All-Star. They made Malik Henry an All-Star, which Truth be told, that's what I picked. I picked Malik Henry ahead of Kean Jafer baker He probably would have been my sixth all-star receiver. He didn't have a 1,000 yards. He was instrumental in the offense, the pop-gun offense. It was the Saskatchewan Roughriders offense. But I didn't think he was an all-star. No disrespect. I um, think he's got a bright future. No doubt about it. One more year under contract here. And who knows what uh, what can happen with him in the world of football. Um, In terms of the Ryder All-Stars, I did actually vote Derek Moncrief as my coverage linebacker. My two coverage linebackers were Derek Moncrief and Titus Wall of the Calgary Stampeders. And uh, Moncrief in the 2.0, all-star nominations, was awarded an all-star. He's under contract next year with the Riders. He had four interceptions and often was the guy covering the Burnhams and the Bagletons and the Lawlers and the Demskis, the best receiver inside the slot receiver. That's who that, that guy had, Derek Moncrief. Probably the toughest position to play in the CFL besides quarterback is at strong side linebacker. You gotta be big enough to tackle and physical enough, get in on the blitz, and you also have to be able to cover and do it quickly. Good hips, good feet, good vision, good everything from uh, our man Derek Moncrief, but it is still hilarious. Yes, great. Three Calgary linemen got All-Star awards and they should have. Leading rusher and they gave up the fewest sacks. Uh, So that was good. I I was happy to see that they got their just due. But I still can't buy that Darnell Sankey is not an All-Star ahead of Adam Big Hill. I picked Darnell Sankey and Cameron Judge as my linebackers judge was at the top of almost every statistical category he got back to being cameron judge after being hurt in toronto so good there and darn sankey and people like well he's on the field he's on a bad team he has more chances to make tackles he still made the tackles if he didn't make the tackles how bad it would the riders have been sankey had 120 tackles most in a rider season ever okay all over the field. He had one quarterback sack, I think one interception, a couple of special teams tackles. This guy was a stud, not to mention Darnell Sankey had to go half the year without Anthony Lanier second and Garrett Marino eating up blocks on the inside. Christmas and Brown were trying to find their way in the interior, so it, it makes a linebacker's job a little bit harder. So, uh, yeah, Darnell Sankey over Adam Big Hill. Yes, Big Hill is a uh, great football player. He had a good year, a great resume. But I'll tell you, the other one that makes me laugh. So they did the amendment, and initially Chandler Worthy, who is the Eastern nominee for special teams player of the year, he was not on the list. Then they changed it, and he is on the list. But Mario Elford the guy who was picked up early on in a trade with the Alouettes because he couldn't get on the roster because Chandler Worthy was there. (laughs) Mario Elford is still off the All-Star nomination, even though he's the Western nominee for Special Teams Player of the Year because somebody gave it to Janarian Grant of the Blue Bombers, who did have one return, I believe, for 51 yards for a touchdown. Mario Alford, in the over 100 year old history of this league, became just the fifth, one, two, three, four, fifth player in CFL history to return a field goal, a missed field goal, and a punt return for a touchdown in the same season. How in the bloody HE double hockey sticks? Is this guy the Western nominee for the All-Star Award or for the uh, Western nominee for Outstanding Special Teams Player but not an All-Star? Come on. Get out of here. Get out of here. So I don't know if I even want to vote next year. Like, what a farce. You know what it is? They've cut back on the coverage of the league. We got not as many people following the league. And when they're following the league, they're not watching the league. They're not watching games. They're watching stats. And actually, they're not even watching stats. Because if they were watching stats, they would pick Alford. Or they would pick Sankey. They're looking, oh, Adam Big Hills on here. Okay, let's give it to him. Oh, Grant, he plays on a 15-3 and team. I hear that too. Well, he's on a better team. Who gives a crap? It's nothing to do if he's on a better team. It's an individual award. This guy was an all-star. It's not Mario Elford's fault that the riders don't have any, you know, the line was a sieve and the quarterback ran around with a, like a chicken with his head cut off or the D tackles got, uh, one got kicked out of the league and the other guy uh, had a concussion or whatever he had. I guess it wasn't a concussion. It was something physical. He said. So it's not his fault. It's not, you know, it's not Sankey's fault. He had to do it mostly by himself, with Dean helping him and Moncrief on the other side. Oh, he's on a bad team. Well, it's not his fault. He's on a bad team. Maybe it's his GM and coach. Anyway, we're gonna take a break and be back with more of the Sports Cage here on six twenty.
0: We're talking sports on your way home. This is the Sports Cage on Sports Radio six twenty CKRM.
3: U of our Rams assistant head coach and special teams guru, Jeff Stusek, joining us. Jeff, when I think of you, I think of receivers, I think of offense, I didn't think of special teams. Has that always been in your background, and how much do you like it?
6: Uh, it's not always been in my background. Uh, I had a chance to do it when uh, Coach Green was like head coach of the U18 team, team and he was a special teams coordinator, so uh, he asked me to take it on, so I kind of... Uh, dove deep into it and sort of figured some things out, and I enjoy it um, because it gives me a chance to sort of be with all the players. Uh, it gives me some autonomy over what we're doing around uh, the six teams, and and I I enjoy it. It's uh, it's a lot of fun. I get to use some of the offensive principles in some of the special teams designs, and some of our paint uh, uh, fake punts have been based on some offensive concepts that I've brought forward. So I, I don't think it hurts to be an offensive guy as a special teams coordinator. Um, it also helps to have great defensive coaches on our roster that can teach guys how to tackle and tackle in space yeah. and yeah. and that kind of stuff, too. So it's it's part of a whole team, but uh, I, I enjoy it a lot.
3: So uh, in the CFL, obviously, Mike O'Shea is a special teams guy and, and very good at being a head coach. Craig Dickinson had a couple of good years. This year, not so much, but he's a uh, head coach that's a special team guy. We saw Bob Dice do a, a good job in relief in Ottawa. I'm surprised more guys that were special teams coaches don't get head coaching gigs like you're an assistant head coach there because as a a special teams guy you got to bring everybody in from all facets starters backups it's definitely not glamorous and you got to get them to buy in
6: yeah i agree with you 100 percent i think we're seeing it in the cfl um with the guys you named uh, you got to be able to deal with the entire team, uh, including O'Lyman. linemen. You use them on the on the, uh, point after attempts and stuff like that. So, yeah, it's not a just one side of the ball or one particular position that you got to deal with. You deal with everybody. Um, the special teams coordinator is the, probably the only guy other than the head coach that knows every single person on the team, and that's that's a sad reality when you have a hundred man roster. But you know, you don't always get to know everybody. But as a special teams coordinator, you have to. So. Uh, you see in the NFL, John Harbaugh has had success, and there's been other guys that that kind of go through that route. But it's atypical, although I I suspect it's going to be more typical going forward because, to me, this is just my opinion. A head coach is about leadership and uh, leading a group of of men. In in this case. Uh, and so you gotta be a good leader and special teams coordinators often do
3: that. Talked to Brian Doby earlier on my show this week and he said he voted for your staff as coaching staff of the year because we were joking how everybody picked you sixth in the conference. And I really believe that. Uh, Josh Donnelly's out, Kyle Borsa is out, you've had some injuries, and you guys I think have coached your way to this record. No no disrespect to the players. They've they have they have to execute. But I think your coaching staff has done a great job. What have you seen from this coaching staff and your uh, new head coach, Mark McConkey, new in the sense that he's permanent.
6: Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I, well, I agree with uh, some of those statements. I think coaching is, is really important and coaching has played a really important role on this team. Um, Mark is a great leader and we have worked on culture and changing the culture of the organization. We used COVID as our sort of springboard there to say, you know what, we're not going to waste our time during COVID. We are going to change the culture. And for this year it was about a culture of finishing Uh, last year we struggled to finish games and lost a few late Um, this year we focused on on finish and that's paying off our guys are bought in and it's next man up mentality and losing losing Donnelly uh, losing Borsa who are great players and great leaders um, would finish some teams and that just inspired our guys some guys got to step up and guys have and I don't know how many running backs we played this year. Probably five, mm. um, and they've all played well. And uh, Pelche has been great as uh, a young quarterback, and he's got a you know a lot of development to do. But it's just next man up, and that's what we're doing.
3: Yeah. Do you see a bright future for this kid? I see a lot of his um, his problems, if I can use it that way or say it that way. Are, are a lot of it comes from inexperience, or maybe been trying too hard in certain situations, or things like that.
6: Yes. Um, well, two reasons. One is he has a physical talent, so he can, he can throw. Um, he's very confident in his arm. He can, he's mobile. Um, but also he's a learner. And so Mark's offense is as complicated as, as they come. Uh, he picks it up. He spends a lot of time in the film room. He's like Josh that way, like learning, learning, learning. And, uh, so with that, you know, if you got a key sort of willingness to learn and some of the physical tools, you're going to be, a great player. And I think, you know, Pelche has a chance to be the next great Rams quarterback. He, he has a lot of similar similarities to a guy like Mason. nias up North. Um, strong, strong character, good worker. That's what you're looking for in a quarterback.
3: All right, man. You only played these guys once, a 21-13 game. You beat UBC. I know they have an injury at quarterback. Uh, you guys have a young quarterback. What are you looking for in this football game? I, I get, you know, as the Ram and me gets a little worried, it was a few years ago where we had the Heck Crichton Trophy guy, Noah, Noah, uh, Pickton, and, and they roll in here and beat us at Old Mosaic Stadium and we had the seven and one record. I, I you know, I, I'm not yeah. gonna, I'm not gonna jinx you, but what do you gotta do to beat these guys to get to the next step?
6: Yeah, that's a great question. Um, yeah, it was 2016. I think we were, the team was six and two. That was before my time. But, yeah. uh, um, yeah, they, they came in bitter prepared that game. Uh, they ran two fakes, uh, fake punt and a fake field goal on the same damn drive. Um, <laughs> it just, they, they beat us. Uh, they beat the team. And so, uh, what we're looking for uh, is the same thing we, we expect with the Blake Neal team. Blake Neal's got great athletes always. And, um, as the season progresses, his teams get better and better and better. Uh, we're seeing that this year, and so we're expecting we're going to see their best. Uh, we're going to see they're going to throw the kitchen sink at us as far as schemes. Um, it doesn't matter if it's Angle or if it's Rooker uh, at quarterback. We're preparing for both um, in case of some miracle mm-hmm. recovery. And uh, we're Isaiah Knight is a running back who is as good as there is in the country and uh, puts up a lot of puts up a lot of numbers. But I like our our defensive front to. To stop uh, that rushing attack, and and we got to look for other creative ways to win, including on specials. And uh, I know Mark's got a good plan on offense too. So,
3: this guy here, good. this guy here's done a great job helping uh, behind the scenes guide this football team as an assistant head coach and as the special teams coordinator. Good luck on Saturday. Gaming catch right here on six twenty CKRM. Uh, best of luck uh, there, uh, Jeff.
0: Uh, thanks, Mike. Have a have a good. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Sports Cage. Now, back to the action on Sports Radio 620 CKRM.
3: All right, welcome back to the Sports Cage. Hey, why don't you text us 936 6262? It's our text line powered by Capital Ford Lincoln. It's located at the corner of Rochdale and Pasqua, the number one Ford dealership in the province. This is where we have our sports ticker, and it's brought to you by our friends at Bronco Plumbing. Heating and cooling. I'm going to tell you something about Bronco in a second. But uh, professional service is guaranteed there. They'll treat you right. 781-2090, the number to call. They're out in Emerald Park. I talked to Cam over there, Bronco Plumbing, Heating and Cooling. I asked Cam, I said, Cam, can you give me, please, a toilet? I need a toilet. And you see KRM listeners are like, what are you talking about? What I've done over the last 14 years with the good help of my friend Curtis over at Carrie's Moving, is I move a toilet around town for charity. I call it good crap for Christmas. So what happens is is say um I don't know. Say uh, Nick Katchmar has a candle business and Nick Katchmar is a listener of the sports cage. He says, I'd love to get that toilet at my business. So he reaches out to Ballsy. Ballsy gets the toilet out to Nick Katchmar's candle business. Nick Katchmar is a, f- a friend named Blaine Weiland. Blaine Weiland has a uh, muffler shop. So, So the toilet courtesy of Carrie's Moving, goes out to Nick's Candle Shop. Nick's Candle Shop has to raise a minimum of $25. It stays there for about an hour, two hours. You could put your sticker or your business card, tape it to the toilet, okay? The only thing that goes in the toilet is money. So you could raise money. Anybody that comes into your Candle Shop will have a little display there telling you what it's about, and I'll tell you in audio form here right away. Then you call Carrie's Moving, Say, I want to take it over to Blaine's Muffler Shop. Blaine's Muffler Shop then moves it to, to uh, Marty's Dress Shop. So then Marty's Dress Shop gets it. And he moves it forward. We do it for two weeks. We raise money for the Sophia House Women's Shelter. As, uh, you know, uh, women and children fleeing domestic situations. We raise money for their necessities and gifts at Christmas. Because what do we call it? The old saying is, what'd you get for Christmas? I got a bunch of good crap for Christmas. Good crap for Christmas. Cam Sebastian at Bronco Plumbing, Heating, and Cooling is giving us a toilet to move around town. His sticker or logo will be the first one on the toilet. So, uh, yeah, get ready for that December the 5th. Uh, as far as the sports ticker goes, World Series tonight tied at two games apiece. Um, what else? The BC Lions... We'll get the Grey Cup in 2024 in terms of hosting it. It's good news for Amar Domo, who's done a great job there. Uh, There's Thursday Night Football tonight. The Philadelphia Eagles are in Houston to take on the Texans. And in the NHL, uh, Montreal is at Winnipeg. I can tell you that for free. And Nashville's at Calgary. And the Edmonton Oilers will host... The uh, New Jersey Devils, Bob Stoffer, will join us tomorrow. Too busy today because he is interviewing a bunch of different guests. They have some Hall of Famers in town. Because tonight, Lee Fogelin, one of the uh, old-school Oilers from way back in the day when they first started, goes into their ring of honor, and so does Banff, Alberta. Moose Jaw Warriors' own... Ryan Smith, Smitty, that was a disappointment for me in 2006 when the mullet and the guy with all his teeth knocked out. We took a slap shot in the face, missed missed one intermission, came back and played against San Jose in the playoffs that year. Ryan Smith lost in game seven of the Stanley Cup final. So he, Bob Stoffer, will join us tomorrow. But right now, it is time to head out on the Western Pizza Hotline and let's talk a little high school football. All right, here with Miller Marauders head coach Dean Coos, former Regina Ram kicker, and uh, yeah, a really good football coach. Your team is undefeated, uh, defending city champs. You're playing LaBoldis, an old nemesis. Before we get to that, uh, how has this year's journey been?
7: Oh, it's been pretty awesome, actually. Um, Well, as you said, we went undefeated all season. And, like, once again, I just can't believe maybe we saved the best for last, but the teams and the kids are just getting better and better. Like as far as managing them and the way they listen, it's been just a a dream team this year.
3: Is it in part because some of them come from the – the selects football program that zelko runs in terms of you know getting that training in the off season and and maybe learning some of the principles that you just talked about
7: well definitely uh, when those kids play and all like from rmf and they play selects and they're playing more football but really we only have six kids that play selects on our team like Mm winston knoll has eight and the griffle has six and like they're all over the city yeah
3: yeah, so, I mean, it, it comes down to, to good coaching and, and, and a good staff that you've surrounded yourself with, too, I imagine.
7: Oh, absolutely. My coaching staff is, like, uh, I wouldn't trade them for the world. They uh, are so into football. And this year, we actually picked up two new guys. Uh, Jaden Marwick and uh, Jason Ducek from O'Neill came over. And those guys have just fit right in and are taking the lead. In fact, I... Uh, you know, I've given up the offensive coordinating position that I was doing and gave it to Jason and and Jaden and the two of them. The three of us kind of collaborate together. But, uh yeah, I just kind of just head coaching and kind of coach uh,
3: coasting. Yeah, well, that's good because you're at the you're, you're taking it easy. You're going to retire, and we'll get into that in a second. But yeah, I know Jaden Marwick. Uh, he's a great young coach. I, I know Ducek coming over from O'Neill. What was that like to add uh, those guys? But in particular, Jason, who's ran his own program. Did you have any of the butting of the head situation, or were you pretty uh, pretty open to uh, his ideas? Oh
7: that's a very good question because, like at first, uh, Jason. Said to me that if he's offensive coordinator, he said, "Well, we'll run your offense." And I was be, I said, "Well, that's a very good answer, Jason." <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> but th- since then, you know, he's kind of developed uh, some things on his own and like made it his own, um, changed a few things and formations and whatnot, and it's uh, really, really worked out for the better because we've got more different looks and you know more heads. Uh, more ideas are always a good thing.
3: How did you How did you guys turn this team into a powerhouse at Miller? I mean, Miller was good off and on, but not like this. How did you turn it into a kind of a powerhouse? You're going into your, you're the defending city and provincial champs, and a good bet to do it again. I mean, uh, when I look at Regina and, and this game coming up, no disrespect to LeBoldis, but you guys will have to have an off game for them to win. How did you turn this into a powerhouse?
7: Well, I'll tell you there's a couple of different reasons that like I believe anyways what made the biggest difference and one of them being is that our uh Miller High School got half of the French immersion program that um before there was four schools where the French immersion kids all went to the boldest and then when Miller developed the French immersion program there were two more schools that we feed from mm-hmm. and they we just have more kids. And the other thing is our vice or our, not vice principal, but our principal, Lisa Donnelly is just fantastic and she supports the football team and, um, all the kids love her at the school and our, our school has grown in numbers. Like we're at around 1200. I can remember a time when back in the day we had 600 at Miller. Mm-hmm. So it's doubled in size. So, well, you know, you can't make, uh, Chicken salad out of chicken yep. crap, so yep. if you get better you get better uh and more kids to choose from, you can uh, develop the program that way
3: all right dean and so then, Dean, you're retiring too let's get into that you're you're retiring as a teacher, does that mean you're going to back away as a coach dean
7: uh the jury's still out on that. I don't know what I'm gonna do as a coach i might uh might do what John Ford did and come back as a, a consultant or something like that just to, so I could be around you know, be around be around and do whatever but uh does that yeah, keep I, you I, young I, does
3: it keep you young dean to coach
7: and be around these guys well i I don't know it uh sometimes I feel like it made me old um <laughs> like uh, growing gray hair sometimes but um yeah it, it, it's a i i'm just really thrilled that these guys well Jason's uh, not so old but uh, Jaden Marwick is definitely uh a young whippersnapper coming up He's 25 and so he's just uh he's awesome to have and he he the program will be in good hands. I know that.
3: So the game goes down a mosaic on Friday at 6 o'clock. Uh, what's the key to beating the LeBoldis Golden Suns? Or do you not even really worry so much about them? And it's not being disrespectful, but just concentrating on what you guys could do. Because I would assume if you do and execute what you want to do, then everything should take care of itself.
7: Well, to tell you the truth, the playing the boldest is, is harder than playing in the provincial final. It's because we've seen each other so much. Mm-hmm. You know, like in the last, in the last three years. We've or two years, anyways. We've played each other probably about seven or eight times, so they know all of our ins and outs, and we kind of know theirs. So it's whoever's going to come up with, you know, maybe some new wrinkles or whatever. But I'm just expecting it to be just like it usually is—a very tight battle. And uh, like you said, uh, anything can happen in high school football, and the best team has to. Get everything done.
3: Yeah, and this guy gets it done over at Miller. He's Dean Coos, their head coach. Is are rolling there at Miller? Should be a good one Friday. Get out and watch some great amateur football. Thanks for your time, man. Hey, thank you very much, Mike. That's Dean Coos, former Ram kicker. A uh, longtime coach over at Miller. They're gunning for their second straight city and provincial championship. Coming up before the show's done, we're going to hear from Corey Leckard, uh, Corey Lechner, pardon me. He is the uh, longtime coach of the Green Greenall Griffins. They won the 5A City High School Football Championship over Sheldon. They'll take on Weyburn. On Saturday at one in the 5A Provincial Championship. Weyburn smoked them last year. Uh, Weyburn has an older team. Um, Belgoni's got a younger team. It's going to be an interesting game. We'll talk to our friend Corey Lechner before the end of the show. When you want football here, amateur sports, amateur football, we got it covered. And this is the place that had it covered first. So remember that. Sports cage. 936 the number to text. Uh, I want to get into a couple of things here while I have a few minutes. Uh, tonight, the Thursday night football game has the Houston Texans with... Uh what does it lovey Smith's their coach? Lovey Smith, defensive coordinator. They've actually been, they're not record wise that good, but they have been good in terms of putting up fights and challenging teams this year. They're going to take on the Philadelphia Eagles. Now, Brandon Cooks, the receiver for the Texans, he will not play according to Ed Werder of ESPN. Now, Cooks expected to be moved before Tuesday's NFL trade deadline, but. The Texans, because of his $18 million salary and the fact it's guaranteed next year. That's crazy. $18 million for Brandon Cooks? Anyway, couldn't get moved. So he missed practice Tuesday and Wednesday. Took his ball and he went home. I couldn't get traded, so I'm not playing. That's it. I'm not going to play. Can't stand the heat. So anyway, he's not playing. Uh, so, the Texans, I love Lovey Smith. He doesn't put up with any crap. Okay. Coach in Chicago, he took enough of it himself. He's got a thick skin. He's like, hey, you don't want to play your kid? Get out of here. So, Eagles, Texans tonight. Let's mark down one down for a win for the Eagles. Okay. All right. So, let's hold on here a second. Give me a second. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. 10. They got 10 games left. Eagles have 10 games left. Texans tonight win. So, they're 8 0. Commanders. Next Monday night. Oh, what a beauty that is. God, the NFL's terrible this year. So, especially in primetime. So they're they're gonna be 9 and 0. Then they've got the Juggernaut Colts in Indianapolis with Ellinger as the quarterback. So they're 10 and 0. Then the Packers come to Philadelphia. That's a flip. That's ah no, it's in Philadelphia. Philadelphia wins that one. The only so so it's it's Texans commanders. Colts, Packers, Titans, Giants, Bears, Cowboys, Saints, Giants. You could make a case that the Philadelphia Eagles could go undefeated this year. They could go undefeated in the regular season this year. The the Packers aren't the Packers that your grandma and grandpa loved, okay? They're not even the Packers that Sean Kleisinger loves, uh the one that could get them Titans maybe and maybe the Cowboys game maybe those two games they're probably going to end up what is it 15 and 2 but there's an outside chance they could go 17 and 0 cuz there's that extra game that's right and be undefeated going to the playoffs and then the Miami guys from 72 will be like all scared. By the way, the Miami Dolphins in 72 were not perfect. By the way, folks, they lost two preseason. They lost their two preseason games. They did. The first one was on my birthday, September 1st, 1972. So they aren't perfect. Anyway. All right. So Brandon Cooks, little upset. So he's not practicing and all this stuff. Uh, folks, uh, uh, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know what I'm going to (sighs) do. I just got blocked by Cody Fajardo. He just blocked me on all social media. Um, I didn't say anything bad about Cody Fajardo on social media. I've never said anything bad about Cody Fajardo on social media. I shook Cody Fajardo's hand on a bus on the way to the plane after he threw for 300 yards in a victory over Antonio Pipkin, Michael O'Connor, and the BC Lions when he hit uh, Kean Schaefer Baker for that long 85-yard touchdown. I have said on this show, he's a great man, I assume a great husband, and I assume he's going to be a great father. Wasn't in the locker room to see if he was a good teammate or not. Guys seemed to like him. What I did say is, Cody Fajardo is done in Saskatchewan. Is that blockable, I guess? I mean, no, there's no Elon Musk, let you do what you want on Twitter right now. I think we're going to have to pay an $8 surcharge too now, or membership fee. But I didn't think that was offensive. Uh, The other thing that I said about Cody Fajardo is that Cody Fajardo doesn't have the mental toughness to be the quarterback of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. I mean, come on. If the local voice of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, who always promoted you on the broadcast and was cheering for you during the game in his calls and said, hey, people say Cody Fajardo doesn't have a deep ball arm, but look at folks, he does there, he hits Shaq down the sidelines for 41. If that guy supports you, but then one or two times says, hey, he's not pulling his weight, hey, he's running around like a chicken with his head cut off, hey, he doesn't have the maybe the mental toughness to be the quarterback here, you're going to block a guy and you're going to get all offended? Well, I think, Cody, you just proved my point. The The flag-waving voice of the team just was sticking up for you but then did make some constructive comments, cons- you know, constructive criticism. If you don't have a thick enough skin to take that and you have to block me, then... Feel bad. Sorry. I apologize, Cody. I apologize, but you just proved my point. This is the sports cage on 620. I love the smell of
8: cup the morning. This is where the fun
0: of I don't want to gain another yard 620 CKRM is proud to be your official voice of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. And your home for the hottest sports show anywhere. It's a new era for sports talk in Saskatchewan. Welcome to the Sports Cage with your host, Michael Ball.
3: This is Cody Fajardo and you're listening to the best daily CFL coverage with Ballsy on the Sports Cage. Wherever you're listening, however you're listening, thanks for making us part of your day. I'm Michael Ball, in the big chair across from me, the pride of iTuna, Nick Catchmar. Thanks to him for stepping in for Sean Kleisinger, who is away due to some health issues, but he hopes to be back by the end of November. We wish you well, Sean, and I know you're listening. And hey, the seats just being warmed by a couple of different... Producers, until you get back. As you are my dry sidle, or I'm your dry sidle. I don't know. Speaking of the Edmonton Oilers tonight, they are in action against the uh, New Jersey Devils at home, as you heard from Bob Stauffer earlier in the show, color commentator. And they're adding Lee Fogelin and Ryan Smith, BAMF Alberta's Ryan Smith, former Mooshjaw warrior, to their ring of honor. Vegas at Ottawa, Montreal's at Winnipeg, Nashville visits Calgary, Anaheim at Vancouver. It appears Ryan Reynolds could be a future owner. Of the Ottawa Senators, People magazine reported Wednesday that Reynolds has interest in buying the team. And Bruce Garriott of Post Media adds Reynolds' interest is real and genuine, setting a source. People added that Reynolds would want to keep the team in Ottawa if he acquired the franchise. While the franchise has not been yet put up for sale, the Melnick family, his daughters, have retained an investment bank to explore the sale. Funny story about Ryan Reynolds he's rich, I'm not. I could have more money if I would have trademarked the saying "the city that rhymes with fun." Me and my old co-host Chris White and the Wolf—we came up with that saying. We wanted to use it on T-shirts for the Rolling Stone concert here and sell those shirts for charity. Mick Jagger said no. He comes out on stage and goes, "I understand this is the city that rhymes with fun," and everybody's like, "Ah, Mick!" Like what Mick said wasn't Mick—it was Chris and Ballsy. But we were too stupid not to trademark it. Then Reynolds uses then Reynolds uses it on dead. Oh, did you hear that funny line he used? Yeah, Ballsy created it. It drives me nuts. WHL tonight, Victoria at Calgary. Humboldt at Esteban in the SJHL. Yes, it's true. I did do that along with my buddy Chris White. Texans wide out Brandon Cooks will not play on Thursday Night Football tonight against the Philadelphia Eagles, a league source told Ed Werder of ESPN. Cooks expected to be moved at the Tuesday trade deadline, but the Texans lacked flexibility on trade demands, and the fact that Cooks's $18 million salary is fully guaranteed next season made it impossible to close a deal. Cooks, who missed practice on Tuesday and Wednesday due to personal reasons, took to Twitter shortly after the trade deadline had passed posting a cryptic tweet seemingly voicing his displeasure at not being dealt to the CFL where the BC Lions have been awarded the 2024 Grey Cup. Great news, Amar Doman's done such a spectacular job trying to turn around the perception of the Lions and get fans back in the stands. They've got a crowd of 30,000 or more expected at the game here this weekend against the Calgary Stampeders, the West semifinal. So the Leos get the Grey Cup in 2024. Next year it's in Hamilton and there's speculation the Bombers will get it in 2025. Let's hope Winnipeg's still not winning Grey Cups by then. Yuck. Kyrie Irving will make a donation to anti-hate organizations and said he opposes hatred and oppression, but NBA commissioner Adam Silver doesn't think it goes far enough. The Brooklyn Nets star has been under fire after posting a link on social media to a movie and book that contain anti-Semitic statements. Irving had been called out by Nets owner Joe Sy and took down the post, but in a news conference he doubled down saying that he was not going to stand down on anything that I believe in. The NBA and the NBA's Players Association issued statements condemning hate speech, but did not mention Irving by name until Thursday. Irving and the Nets had said Wednesday they would each donate $500 thousand dollars to anti-hate organizations as Charles Barkley said and I agree with him fully Kyrie Irving should be suspended absolutely suspended it's a joke he's not well a couple of Thursday things as I like to call them to get to before I had to break listen I'm I'm not weighing into the political world here anybody that knows me knows what side of the quote-unquote aisle I'll stand on when it comes down to it And I don't want to look like a loser saying, I don't want the $500 bucks we are getting this fall from Scott Mona's government. But give me a break. My dad's in the hospital right now, and he's been in the Pasqua ER for over a day in the hallway in front of the nurse's station. He's apparently going to be admitted, but he's in the hallway for over a day. Because we have such a crappy healthcare system. Hey, Scott Moe, quit trying to buy votes and have this. Oh, look what we did. Spending's up. Yeah, cause he gave $500 to everybody hoping they'll go buy burgers or whatever. Spending's up. We help the economy. How about you help healthcare? Take the 500 bucks you were giving to 18 year olds and older in this province and put it into healthcare. Gosh, people at the top. They don't have common sense. They really don't. Whether it's picking CFL awards or whether it's giving out money, our money. Yeah, 500 bucks is great. It's not going to change my life, okay? Couple of tanks of gas, little bit of groceries. Take that 500 from everybody, Einstein, and put it into the healthcare system. I wonder what Mo would think if he was laying in the hospital in front of the nurse's station all night. And it ain't the nurse's fault. It's not the doctor's fault. Put that money into healthcare. What a joke. <laughs> and then I've got this. I want to bring this up. You guys can weigh in here if you'd like. So, on the weekend, this past weekend, I walked into a 7-Eleven and I was asked if I wanted to buy some chips and chocolate bars. My head was down and I was checking my cell like everybody else does. So I thought it was somebody who worked there and was trying to promote a deal for me in-house. I said, uh, no, thank you. I don't want any. And that's when the guy was like, not for you. Do you want to buy me and my kids chips and chocolate bars? Please, we haven't eaten today. Then I did see his homeless sign. You know, they write the homeless sign up. Okay, I'm not here to judge. But here's what I said. I won't pay to put that crap in your kid's body, but I'll be more than happy to get him an apple or an orange here on the counter and maybe a sandwich over at the cooler over there. He was like, no, we want chips and chocolate bars. (laughs) Then I got annoyed. So you're asking me to help you, but I got to help you in the way you want me to help you, even if I don't agree with it. I'm like, nope, I'm not doing that. His response? Well, I guess it's nothing for me and my kids then, you jerk. Which, whatever. But what really ticked me off was this goofball response from the guy who was next to me. A friggin' knight in shining armor came to his defense and said loudly, Wow! I'll buy your kids chips and chocolate bars. (laughs) To which I just, whatever, smirked and left. So, SportsCage shareholders at 936-6262. Am I the jerk? Or did I do the right thing by not buying his kids chips and chocolate bars? It wasn't like I wasn't offering to buy them anything. I just wanted to buy them some healthy things. I don't know how old they were, maybe 9 and 7 or 9 and 6. But come on. I'm willing to help you. I'm going to give your kids chips and chocolate bars so they can end up one day with diabetes like yours truly, laying in a hospital in front of the nurse's station all night because of our great healthcare system. Oh, and before we go to break, did you hear this? Miller Lite has released their new invention, a Christmas tree keg stand. It not only holds your tree up like regular tree stands, but it allows you to pour draft beer from the base of the tree. Oh, what an invention. Uh, Let's listen in with our sports cage special microphones as dads practice handing out presents under this specific tree.
1: (laughs)
6: Okay, tree stand Oh, Christmas
1: tree Oh, Christmas tree
6: With beer on tap and not canned Oh,
1: Christmas tree Oh, Christmas tree
3: This gift was not so well planned oh. Alright, so we got a caller on the line. I believe it's Tanya she said on the Western Pizza Hotline How are you today, Tanya?
1: I'm good. And yourself?
3: Well, I'm doing great. I, uh, I've i had an interesting week. Let's put it that way. Let's put it that oh, way. Oh,
1: I bet. I bet. Anyways, I'm just weighing in on the whole health care yep. system and the, and the 7-Eleven incident. Yeah. Um, but health care is where I'm going to start because it sucks more than ever. Mm. I used to work at the Pasqua Hospital, not many years ago, but maybe... 14, in between 15 and 20 years ago. Yep. And I worked in the dietary, like giving food choice to people and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. And it was very heartbreaking back then, seeing patients, asking nurses, and doctors for help, and here I am bringing in their food and so on and so forth. And it, it kind of hit me hard because These people are asking for you for help. Like, can you help me up? Can you help me go to the bathroom? Can you help me do this? Like, can you help me get that? I've been always a person that would do things instantly and the nurses would yell at me, no, leave them alone. You, they don't need help. They're always doing this. And it's like, really? Like Mm -hmm. I understand stress and stuff. Then going into the emergency and having to sit there for like 13 hours at one time, my mom actually just went in there and she sat there and she sat there. And I'm like, seriously, after 10 and a half hours, like you're finally seeing a doctor, I said, with this money issue that is going around with people getting $500, so on and so forth, why... Is it not invested into the health care system like you say or invested into the education program
3: because it doesn't look good enough in my opinion listen listen I'm gonna be I'm gonna be truthful if I'm to vote I'm voting to the right that's who I am anybody that knows that okay but I'm not making this political but what it is is you could say oh well, look we boosted the economy spending's up this is up this is a 500 bucks uh, with everybody over 18. Uh, stick it into the healthcare system, man. I got my seventy-five-year-old dad that's been paying taxes his whole life, and he's laying in a hallway in front of the nurses for a whole night and a half now already, a day and a half. That always oh, being admitted. I just, well, I was just there at two this afternoon. Always oh, being admitted. Well, when in 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 February? Like what's going on here?
1: Exactly, and and that's the way it's been. And like I said, there's hospitals closing and stuff out of town that is more heartbreaking because lots of lives are going to be lost because of the whole transferring to different cities, yeah. which are bigger than the rural ones. Yeah. But anyways, bogus, bogus in my eyes, they need to open their eyes and see the sunlight T- because T- this is Tanya.
3: We're getting, we're up against the clock, but tell me, how do you feel about my Seven Eleven dilemma? Did I do the right thing or should I have just bought the chips and chocolate bar?
1: No, you absolutely did the right thing. I actually was at a 7-Eleven and the same person asked, not the same as you, but obviously someone that had kids asked me the same thing. And it's like, no, I will not buy you chips in a chocolate bar because for one, at 7-Eleven, they're way too expensive. So I said, if you're willing to eat and you're hungry, if I bought you chicken or a sandwich or even nachos and cheese or something, I said, how would that do for you? Oh, that would be wonderful. So you did the right thing. You did the right thing. Well,
3: thank you, uh, my fine sports cage shareholder. As I like to call you. Thanks for listening. Tell all your friends. Take care. Yes, you too. Thank Th- you. Thank for you. The person you are. Thank you. I appreciate it. See, there we go. Cody Fajardo might have blocked me, but Tanya loves me. When we come back, more of the Sports Cage
0: on 620. We're talking sports on your way home. This is the Sports Cage on Sports Radio 620 CKRM.
3: All right, pleased to be joined for the first time on this show by Scott Wheeler of The Athletic, great writer over there. He's big in the hockey scene and covering the draft for at least 10 years. Hi, Scott. How are you? I'm doing well, man. How are you? Good, man. Thanks for uh, coming on. You have a great uh, weekly mailbag on uh, The Athletic, which I uh, perused this last time. And obviously, with Connor Bedard front and center, I thought it'd be great to have you on. Now, uh, in your mailbag, you know, we're talking about comparing the upcoming draft to the 2015 draft where McDavid, Eichel, and Marner went. But, you know, other guys, Kyle Connor, Zach Wawrenski, Matthew Barzell's of the world. Is the draft in 2023 where Bedard is front and center? Is it comparable to that draft?
8: It looks that way early on. I, I think 2015 is an all-timer. I think 2015 is arguably the greatest draft in NHL history, certainly up there with, uh, with 2003. It, it was a special group. You mentioned a lot of the names, even Nico Ranton and Thomas Shabbat weren't, weren't included there. Sebastian Aho was a second rounder. Wow. Uh, so it was, it was a special, special group. I'm not sure whether tw- uh, this 2023 draft will get there, but this is my 10th draft doing the work that I do. Uh, whether at the athletic or elsewhere in terms of scouting and watching these players and and telling stories about prospects and preparing for the NHL draft uh and this is it's not the best draft uh it's it's second best to 2015 so uh, it's an impressive group the trio at the top are as good a trio as maybe there's ever been i don't think Connor Bedard is is Connor McDavid level but i still think Connor Bedard's going to be one of the five most talented players in the NHL. I think he's going to win a rocket Richard. I think he's going to score 50 goals. Maybe not every year, but he, it's going to happen over the course of his career. He's just too talented and with the way that he shoots the puck, he's going to beat goalies cleanly at every level so yeah. uh, special special talent and then even beyond him Adam Fantilli and what he's doing is historic right now at the University of Michigan as a true teenaged freshman uh, in NCAA hockey uh, he's he's the big powerful skating center that every every team covets a true sort of number 1 center prospect and then Matt Michkov is quite likely the the best Russian prospect uh, to come out of Russia since Alex Ovechkin so uh, and that includes Svechnikov, who's obviously a top, top player with the Carolina Hurricanes right now. Uh, you go down the list, right? So, uh, a special player even potentially at third overall for whichever team's there in Matt Bay Meech Cobb. So that, that trio and then well beyond them. Star players, especially at forward in this draft. It's a little bit weaker. The 2023 draft is a little bit weaker on D, uh, but up front, it, it's a draft to remember.
3: You know, you mentioned Bedard there, and obviously that's important to my audience here in Regina. So you kind of touched on it there. You, you, you maybe don't see him like a McDavid, a Crosby, or an Avanchkin. Would he be like maybe like a Braden Point who came out of Moose Jaw, that kind of player, maybe with a better shot?
8: I kind of see the the Patrick Kane echelon, okay. the kind of those players who are uh, for a time in their career the the best player in the world, or for a time in the career one of the most talented offensive players in the world. I think what's going to prevent uh, Bedard from reaching that that sort of Crosby echelon, that all time sort of top ten player echelon that Crosby and Ovechkin are are now in, is that a he doesn't have that that power and 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 strength that Ovechkin had, so I think he's he's going to struggle to score quite as consistently as Ovechkin has. Obviously, Ovechkin's probably the greatest scorer in NHL history at this point, and then as far as the, the Crosby sort of level goes, it, it's just difficult because Crosby has been such a dominant two-way player, and at the size that Bedard's going to play at, and, and I would actually argue that Bedard's stronger than he looks for his height. Yeah. Um, but at the size he's going to play at and with the way he plays, he's never been a great defensive player. He has worked very hard in the last couple of years to become a more scrappy, sort of competitive player off the puck, to hound pucks, to get up and under guys and get into battles. Uh, but Crosby's a, as has always been as good defensively as he is offensively, and I just don't think you're ever going to be calling Connor Bedard the most complete hockey player in the world, even if he's maybe the most talented. Mm -hmm. Hey, for the
3: top six picks from the 2022 draft, and I got this right from your mailbag, so it's not like I'm coming up with this brilliant question, but somebody asked you this, so I'm just going to read it straight out here. For the top six picks from last year's draft are in the NHL or AHL. So, first off, who's looking the best so far in your opinion?
8: Yeah, there are really four guys who have obviously made the jump to North American pro hockey, and in your eye, Slavkovsky, Shane Wright, Simon Nemitz, and David Gieracek. Uh, they, they, they've all looked good to varying degrees. I think Nemec has, has kind of struggled. Obviously, we know what's happening with Shane Wright in mm-hmm. Seattle where Shane has had a tough time getting into the lineup. They've got an important decision to make there about whether he should go back to Kingston. The Kingston Frontenacs would then have an important decision about whether to trade him or not. Yeah. Uh, the, the Kingston Frontenacs are off to a strong start, but I wouldn't call them OHL contenders. Uh, and he will want to play on a team like that if he goes back. But the the two players who who fit in well are David Yerchek, who was excellent with the Cleveland Monsters in the AHL and has now earned a promotion to the NHL with the Blue Jackets, and Uri Slapkovsky. Slapkovsky got banged up and he missed a couple of games, but when he's been in the lineup, he's, he's looked like himself. The points aren't yet coming. I think he's only got two goals in seven games to date uh, and no assists, but he's been... A factor out there. He's been creating looks for himself. He's been creating chances. He hasn't shied away from playing with the confidence that has always made him such an entertaining player to watch. Given how big and strong he also is, so uh, of the sort of top picks from last year's draft who are who are sort of easing their way into the NHL, I think things have gone best, if you will, for, for Slavkovsky so far.
3: You've done this, like you said, for 10 years in the, the role you're doing now. So you've, uh, you've seen a lot. Who's an under the radar prospect that you like right now, Scott Wheeler?
8: Uh, well, to to cater to your WHL audience here, I think I'd probably go with Andrew Cristal. Okay. Um, Andrew is a, a extremely talented, exciting player. I was surprised when he was given a B rating by NHL Central Scouting and their preliminary players to watch list. A B rating indicates that NHL Central Scouting views the player as a second or third round pick. I think there's clear first round talent in, in Andrew. Uh, he's magic with the puck. He's exciting when he's in possession. And I think he's going to put up the kind of numbers and have the kind of draft season surge that we've seen out of recent WHL players, players like Jaeger Furkus a year ago who emerged, uh, to get drafted in the second round, uh, and, and arguably should have been drafted in the first round uh, and kind of came out of nowhere. Uh, even Seth Jarvis of a couple of years prior to that, Seth really came on from the CHL top prospects team onward and had that excellent second half with Portland. And that really solidified him as a first round pick to Carolina. And he's obviously now having an impact as a top nine player with the Hurricanes. So uh, I think Chris got all of the talent in the world. He's a little bit on the smaller side. He's kind of in that five foot nine, five foot 10 range. Uh, but a, a slick, slick, talented player with the puck on his stick and the kind of player who can break game open with his skill level. So uh, I I really do believe he's a, he's a first round player for me. A
3: couple more questions for you, Scott. I know you're always a busy guy, so thanks for taking time. A lot of people are high, like yourself, talking about the forwards in this upcoming draft. But what about the mm. D? What about the D?
8: Yeah, it's, it's a weak draft at D. It has been, I, I looked it up a couple of weeks ago, and I forget the number, but about three decades since we haven't had a, a defenseman taken in the top five, let alone a defenseman who wasn't taken in the top ten, and I think there's a real chance that that's the case this year. Uh, the, the two top D coming into the season were Guelph Storm defenseman Cameron Allen, who was excellent as a rookie in the league last year, but Cam has got off to a bit of a tough start. He's had some ugly nights early on this season mm-hmm. and just has looked a little bit like he's forcing it. And then the other top defenseman in this draft is a 5'10", small sort of offensive defenseman out of Russia by the name of Mikhail Guleyev, and certainly one of the better Russian D prospects that's come along in a, in a long time. The Russians have struggled to develop young defensemen, and he he's a, a special, special player. But I think the combination of him being 5'10", and the combination of that with, everything that's going on with Russia and Ukraine and the uncertainty that NHL clubs have about drafting those kids and getting them over here, that's going to make it difficult to take Gouliev as great as he is inside the top 10. So this is a draft where I think you'll pr- probably only see four or five defensemen taken in the first round, which is about half as many as we typically see. And uh, it's just a, a very talented draft at forward, especially at center. There are 10, 12, 15 high-end
3: centers in this draft, and that is a very rare thing. Hmm. Uh, Scott, I'm more a football guy. I do like hockey, but truth be told, voice of a CFL team, so I'm more a football guy. I've never understood this about hockey, so you're a bright hockey mind. Maybe you can help me out. When a quarterback gets drafted, in, in particular in the NFL, they generally throw him in and go. That is the most important position in football. If you don't have a, mm-hmm. goal, if you don't have a goalie in hockey, I don't care over the forward's the D, you're dead if you don't have a goalie in hockey. Why isn't that the case most of the time in the NHL, where like a, they have a first overall pick as a goalie or a first rounder, and he goes in and right away he's a goaltender, he's the guy?
8: I think some of it has to do with the ages of these kids as they're drafted. Obviously the draft. Uh, in the NHL is an 18-year-old draft, sure. right? So these are teenagers. You're getting college players predominantly uh, in, into the NFL, players who've spent more time, who are three or four years older than the typical NHL draft prospects. So I think that's, that physical maturity that comes with that, that filling out that happens in that sort of 18 to 22 range, uh, that's a, a big, big part of it. Uh, goalies in particular are often very skinny. They're often underdeveloped in the gym. It can take them some time to build the strength and power through their pushes that they need in order to make the, the saves and play with the speed that is put, that the NHL game is played at. But you're right. It's, it's been a long time. Even recent first-round goalies into the NHL, Jesper Wahlstedt, Spencer Knight, Yaroslav Askarov, the, the true star goalie prospects that have come through the draft in recent years, they don't jump right away. Obviously, Spencer Knight is currently playing with the Florida Panthers and made a quick transition through the college ranks and into the NHL, but he's really one of the youngest goalies in a long time, and he was 20 when he broke in, and that's that's extremely young for a goalie. So uh, there just aren't uh, – it's been a long time since Marc-Andre Fleury and mm-hmm. Kerry Price did it where they were just drafted and immediately in the NHL. That, that's uh, become a bit of a dying breed, if you will.
3: This guy here's a great follow on Twitter, at Scott C. Wheeler. Check him out at The Athletic. If you don't have that publication, get it. It's worth it. Thanks for your time, Scott. This is Cody Fajardo, and you're listening to the best daily CFL coverage with Balsy on the Sports Cage. You're darn right. It's Cody said it right there. Thanks, Cody. Appreciate it. Our text line brought to you by our friends at Capital Ford Lincoln, located at the corner of Rochdale in Pasqua at 936-6262. Leonard says the Philadelphia Eagles will get upset tonight, Ballsy, and lose their first game. I said the Eagles have a chance to go 17-0. I know that's a long way away. They still got 11 or 10 games to go, but... uh Ah, they got a chance, man. I only see maybe the Titans and the Cowboys being chinks in the armor there. Lorraine, hey, ballsy. We'll be at the Miller game on Saturday. Um, Roxy's oldest son, Vaughn, grade 10, plays with uh, Wayburn, and you bet they smoked them last year. Very good football to watch. And uh, Brent and Regina, chips and chocolate bars for kids who are hungry. You did the right thing, Ballsy. What a great parent that guy was. Not. Anyway, 936-6262, the number to text or shows brought to you by spreads.ca. Use the code CKRM when signing up right now and get yourself some awesome promo offers. You can choose what promo offer you want. All right, let us get to this.
5: Every time Saskatchewan gets in second long, they've been bringing Glenn Suter up on the outside. Sometimes they blitz him, sometimes they don't. But when he's blitzed, he's had success. And it's picked up by Suter, who runs it out of the...
0: Time for press coverage as former Ryder Grace and veteran CFL football broadcaster Glenn Suter shares his unique and passionate perspective about the league we love with Ryder Nation.
3: Our friend Glenn Suter joining us from the left coast and I'll tell you this right now, Suits, it's great. Things are uh, coming up, tulips or roses or whatever the hell grows in Vancouver. Uh, they got the 2024 Grey Cup on the horizon there too, so looking forward to that.
2: Yeah, it was announced today. I went down to the announcement. Amar uh, Doman was on video with Randy Ambrosie from, I, I guess it was Toronto from the league office. I'm sure he has other business that he was uh, finalizing out there, but um, Matthew Shinetti was on video with him on the big screen. There was the media here in Vancouver when they announced that the 24 great will be played in Vancouver. And, you know, I, I just, Getting the feeling from talking to you know some of the politicians here in the in the city and and just how excited they are about the you know just engaging the fan uh, base again and uh, creating new fans and the amount of kids that are excited you know that Amar Doman has arranged for uh, ticket prices that are special prices. For if you live in Kelowna or Kamloops or Vancouver Island, uh, there's prices that are affordable so that you can take the ferry over essentially for free. You get a bus. He's supplying buses to all of these cities that are just outside of mainland Vancouver, or you know the the main city area. The in Vancouver and, and bring the fans to the stadium and then taking them back home in the buses. Wow. Well, there's, there's going to be hundreds and hundreds of them. He's, he's taking care of the province of fans, not just, and, and trying to accommodate them and not just, you know, standing at the front door, holding up a sign that says, please buy tickets. So it can be done. It It can, it can be be
3: done. done. If you want to do it, it just takes some hard work. Listen, um, so Amar Doman's there with Randy Ambrosi. Amar Doman is, is going to great lengths. You just greatly uh, described it right there. Caretaker Bob Young's been uh, doing a great job in Hamilton. I think Ottawa's got solid ownership. The Riders, uh, generally a well-run football organization. Winnipeg. It, things are That's a positive. But, Glenn, we talk about this all the time, and I don't want to go into it too much, but we do have to talk about it because you and I haven't they can't you got to do the simple things the little things you can't have an all-star situation where it's 1.0 and then 2 hours later it's 2.0 like those little things they're the low-hanging fruit that people that bash the league will easily knock it down like you got to do the little things right and if I'm a Mar and I'm in Toronto I'm turning to Randy Ambrosie and going what the hell man
2: yeah, honestly, uh, there's just you know, Michael. I, you know, how much at times I will defend the Canadian Football League, and I, and I will try to find the half-full angle to take when it comes to some of these things that happen in the league. But there's just there's really no excuse for it. It, you know, taking care of the details. I Always remember Mark Trestman saying to his teams that went to back-to-back championships that every little detail matters that everything you say matters everything you do and decisions you make in a day they all matter every staff member in our organization is as important as our starting quarterback in the organization and if we if we come to work every day understanding that that doesn't mean mistakes won't happen but what it means is we're we're focusing in on the details you know and we're taking care of it i mean it just, it, it opens up the door mistakes like this. And that's what it was. It was a mistake, but you know, it opens up the door for a whole week narrative of here we go again, the hamster wheel I talk about all the time. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I think, I think they've, Got out in front of it to to apologize as as much as they can. I hope that, and I saw this on Three Down Nation. I'll give them. I can't remember who wrote it, but I'll, I'll give them credit for it. Um, I hope that they take care of any of the guys that were named that were taken off right of the mistake. I hope they get any bonus money that was coming to them for all star nominations or whatever. I. I hope that the the teams and the league somehow make sure they take care of that at least and then make that public too. We made a mistake, but we've taken care of the players and apologized to every one of them personally. It'll never happen again.
3: Yeah, very, very good point. Glenn Suter joining us here for press coverage. All right, so let's get uh, down to some of the brass tacks as it relates to uh, these games. And let's start out east. Uh, You're going to be doing the west game, but let's start out east, and it's the uh, Hamilton Tiger Cats against the uh, Montreal Alouettes. I'll be honest, I didn't think the Montreal Alouettes would make the playoffs, let alone Uh, be hosting a playoff game when they uh, jettisoned Kahari Jones uh, early on in his tenure there and Danny Machocha came in. He was fired apparently because of discipline issues and I don't know that they really cleaned that up in Montreal, but they found enough. They found a way. The owner left and then he came back. The minority owner, Gary Stern, it's kind of been a circus there, but they're hosting a playoff game. Are you shocked that they're the second best team in the East?
2: Uh, you know i'm not shocked i think i think um when you saw the middle of the season i would be more surprised that hamilton uh, you know not surprised that they found their way out of it but the the way they were kind of spiraling i'm a little bit surprised that we didn't see the crossover so there there in lies i hate to bring it back around to saskatchewan but sort of the the biggest disappointments this year and i think craig dickinson would tell you that his team was um, that's one of them, the fact that Saskatchewan couldn't nail that down. They had three or four chances to cross over, couldn't do it. So Hamilton getting in, and then getting in, almost feeling like one of the hottest teams in the East, that to me is really intriguing. I, I'm not really surprised, though. Toronto has, you know, they got Standback back now. That's going to really help them. That makes this really interesting. I call him the hammer, mm. and West Hills, the new running back in Hamilton, they'll be playing against each other. And I and and someone said that it's west downhills. Yeah, <laughs> he runs because he runs downhill. So that's gonna be fun to watch those two running backs. You know, the quarterback play has been inconsistent with both teams. In fact, all three teams in the East at times. Um but so we'll see. We'll see who's the hot hand. Eugene Lewis, of course, the finalist for the awards is out there as well in Montreal. So I, I wouldn't say I'm surprised, uh, Michael, but I think we're going to see two really good games on Sunday.
3: It's coming down to, it, it comes down to, you know, penalties, turnovers, but it's going to come down to your quarterback play. Uh, it's been yep. up, it's been up, but mostly down for Dane Evans. And Trevor Harris has been pretty steady there once uh, they turn the keys over to him and then move Vernon Adams out. Uh, what do you see as the key in this game, really, when it comes down to it?
2: Well, I, again, I, I think in these games like ball possession, uh, you, you mentioned the turnovers. Obviously, you can't do that. I mean, um, you can't protect against it either, though, because if you start just trying not to lose, then you're going to be in big trouble. They've got to they have consistent quarterback play, yes. I like both running backs in which if, if one of these running backs has a 130-yard game, that team wins. You know, and I, it's, it's like when we get to the West. When we get to the West, if Calgary runs for 200 yards, it's game over. It's not even going to be close. Mm-hmm. I mean, honestly, like you, if you can control the line of scrimmage like that, and by the way, I was in zooms with both teams today, and the BC defense understands the strength of the of the Calgary offense. Yeah.
5: So, <laughs> yeah.
2: right mm-hmm. now with their run game, so yeah, I I say for that game in the East, um, probably uh, if if I was to really simplify it. Whichever quarterback plays most consistently, then then that team wins in that in that matchup.
3: Okay, so uh, lastly, before we wrap up the East semifinal, does coaching make that? Can it make the difference? Now, Machocha has been on a Grey Cup winning team. He has coached before, so he's not like he's a rookie. Um, but you know, would you give the uh, coaching edge to Steinauer's staff?
2: Uh, well, I'd say coaching does make a difference in football more than probably most sports. Yeah, and and that coaching starts at the head coach with in-game management decisions. Uh, the personnel decisions are basically made now. I mean, there's a couple of question marks, but you know they know who they're going to be putting on the field as starters. But the in-game management decisions in a playoff game, a one-possession game, choosing to punt and. You know, trying uh, you know, some a uh, trick play and when you do that and all those kind of things, that that can really either win you a game or backfire against you badly. So those those really matter. Um, I, I, I like Tommy Condell, I always have. I say if there's an edge in that regard, probably the experience of Steinauer and back to back cups. Gives him
3: the edge. All right. When we come back, we'll get into the uh, BC Lions and the Calgary Stampiners, the West Semifinal, a game you can catch right here on 620 CKRM on Sunday. And yes, this portion of our broadcast right here on the Sports Cage Press Coverage brought to you by our friends at Quality Tire with nine locations in Saskatchewan. Check them out at
0: qualitytire.ca. The Sports Cage is your locker room pass. We're talking Riders on Saskatchewan Sports Radio, 620 CKRM.
3: Just updating you on some NHL Golden Knights, 3-1 over the Sens after the first. Rangers and Bruins scoreless in the first. Capitals and Wings scoreless after one still to come tonight. Devils at the Oilers. Bob Stopper apologized. He got busy taping some interviews. Uh, Fogelin and Ryan Smith going into the ring of honor for the Edmonton Oilers, so he'll join us tomorrow. On the sports cage. Uh, also, Hurricanes lead the Lightning 1-0. We've got the uh, Flames home to the Predators. Oilers entertaining the Devils, like I said. Canucks against the Ducks. And the Jets against the Montreal Canadiens. Noah Syndergaard going to the Hill for the Phillies against Justin Verlander of the Astros. Verlander's never won a World Series start. Either, I believe, with the Astros or um the Detroit Tigers when he pitched for them. So, he'll go to the Hill there. And... Kyrie Irving, who uh, had the stupid remarks or shared the the link to the movie and the book that uh, had some anti-Semitic statements or innuendos or whatever, he has been suspended at least a minimum five games by the Nets. Not by the NBA, but the team itself. Time to head back out on the Western Pizza Hotline, continue our press coverage with Glenn Suter. Let's get into the Western semifinal, a game people can hear right here on 620 CKRM. We'll have the pregame show starting at 1230. That's right. We're doing a full pregame show for another team's games. That's how much we love football and our advertisers love football here in Saskatchewan. Hopefully that spreads across the nation. We know they're excited in B.C. So, Glenn, is there a way, did you get to the bottom when you're zooming with the stamps, is there a way they can get Dedrick Mills, Peyton Logan, and the league's leading rusher Kadim Carey on the field, or on the same roster, because those three guys are studs?
2: Yeah, the answer is yes, there is, and uh, that's not necessarily, I'm not giving away any secrets here. Uh, that's not something that the coach or any of the players said was going to happen, but I did ask the same question and there, there is a way that they can do it. And in that they said that tells me if I'm reading between the lines that they have thought about that possibility. Now, whether that happens or not, I don't know. We don't get the final rosters for a couple of days here, but, um, it's possible, yes. Well, that's, and, how, that's, and,
3: how, that's how the Calgary Stampeders win this game, by controlling the line of scrimmage like you alluded to in our last segment and uh, really running it down the BC line's throat.
2: And Peyton Logan's a great returner as well,
3: Michael. Yeah, he's absolutely outstanding. And you know what? You raise a good point. BC's run defense, not spectacular, and their special teams have not been great this year. That's, that's a big issue for that team.
2: Yeah, yeah, and I, you know, I did talk to uh, Matthew Betts, who's had an outstanding season on the D line for BC. I also talked to Ryan Phillips, their defensive coordinator, and without even asking the question, they talked about their focus on stopping the run. So this this game has an interesting sort of chess match uh, appeal to it, in that you know the the BC Lions know and have focused on stopping the run. The Calgary Stampeders have really been a run-first team for, what, a month and a half now, for sure, pretty much all year. But I would say they really emphasized it of late. And so which team starts to now take it to the next step? How do you – or or do you overthink that and start doing things that isn't your strength too much? I mean – I. I think the chess match part of this matchup is really cool, and then there's the Nathan Rourke, uh storyline. That's, that's Maybe that's, the biggest one.
3: Yeah, and that's where I want to go here. So this isn't a 10-year vet knocking off the ring, Russ. This is a young guy in his first year starting, okay? He has the terrible foot injury. He comes back faster than many thought. You thought he would come back, but others thought, nah, I'm not sure. Um, you know, mobility's getting better, I guess, with practice, but I don't know. It feels like it might be too big of a hill to climb I, I just feel like that.
2: Well, apparently his accuracy today in all the throws he made were unbelievable. I left about a third of the way into practice to get to my Zooms, and one of them was him after practice. Uh, but apparently his his accuracy today was like the old Nathan Rourke. Um, throughout the work week, he pushed off and ran, took all the first team reps because they wanted to try and fatigue him like Keep them in there as if and and replicate game uh, type of action as close as they could. You can't completely replicate it, but you you do as best you can. Um, going into that final game of the Winnipeg game, where he only played three or four series, he he split reps with Vernon Adams, and so they were easing him in. And then he got that test for those series in Winnipeg. He said that really helped. And he told me today that he feels great. He took all the reps so he could, you know, really push it. Started running out of the pocket completely without thinking about the foot. Um, I don't know if we'll see 100%. You know, they're they're not going to give you those kind of percentages. And he's been just not answering that kind of question at all this week from anybody in the media. But if you get an 85% Nathan Rourke the way he played in the first nine games, man... uh, I can't wait to watch it. I, I think I think he's a generational player. I think he's one of those guys that we're going to be talking about for a long time.
3: Here's the $19,000 question because he wears number 19. Are they riding and dying with Jake Mayer or will we see Bo Levi Mitchell, do you think? If Mayer gets off to a bad start, if he throws two picks or if there's something going wrong on offense, will we see the Hall of Famer to try to rescue their season?
2: You know, Dave Dickinson throughout this process has always uh, you know, been very uh, methodical in how he looks at that. And I think he has throughout his career as a head coach because he was a former quarterback. So he knows what it feels like and he knows sort of at times when it's not right to pull a quarterback or your starter. I, I think the answer to your question is if the reason that they're struggling offensively in the first half, let's say, is that Jake Mayer's not seeing it, that he's not accurate, that, you know, he's starting to look at the rush. He's, he's just not, not performing. Then I wouldn't be surprised at all. This is a do or die or you go home game. So I wouldn't be surprised at all to see Bo, but it'll have to be because it's Jake. That's the issue. So in other words, you see a couple of drops by receivers Mm -hmm. or they can't get the run game going all of a sudden and they're in second and long and, you know, they try to some screen passes that the that the Lions are taking them down and things like that. Then it's not Jake's fault, and he won't make the switch. So, you know, I think he's done it very methodically, Michael, and I I expect to see that in this game, and it won't be any different.
3: Thanks for your time. Great week of work again, Glenn Suter, uh, and uh, have a good call.
2: Yeah, I can't wait. This. Before, it's going to be fun on Sunday. I know you're going to enjoy it,
3: too. Oh, I'm excited already, for sure. It's a, my favorite time of year. That's Glenn Suter, press coverage on the Sports Cage on 620.
0: Time now for Coast to Coast with Rashna Danny, our weekly chat with a guy who has covered it all. From Hockey Night in Canada, the Olympics, World Series baseball, and everything in between, this is Coast to Coast with Rashna Danny brought to you by our
3: very good friend the financial genius Brian Golly. You want to be smart with your money? Call Smart Investing Solutions with Brian Gali. Joining me now is Rashmadani from Sportsnet. And uh, getting set for the World Series here. I'll talk about that in a second. I played that Cody splitter going in cuz Cody Fajardo, <laughs> he blocked me on Twitter. He's blocked he's blocked me on social media. Yeah, because I listen, I uh, it doesn't matter why, bought it's not a big deal. I just, I, he basically proved my point because I said he wasn't mentally tough enough to play quarterback here. You have to be a different type of tough to play here. Not physically tough, but you have to be meant, you have to allow, like a Bo Levi Mitchell. You have to not care what the fans think, like a Darian Durant, like a... Like 100%. A can- like, and like, and like, what like,
9: I've never understood, Ballsy, about yeah. Pajardo is why he cares so much of what is said about him on social media.
3: Yeah, I, I, don't, I, I personally wouldn't be on social media if I was one of these guys during the season. But my question to you, Madani, you've been yeah. in more sports and probably been around more controversy than me. Is there any athlete that hates you or won't talk to you or has blocked you? Uh,
9: Marcus Stroman. I think he's number one on the list. Marcus was never a fan of mine. Um <laughs> We can get into the specifics. He, uh, you know, he uh, quickly, he blew out his knee 2015. He was going to be the future of the franchise. My point always was, if this guy in spring training tears his ACL, why rush him back for October if you feel he's going to be the guy down the road? And Marcus took that as a slight, saying, you didn't think I could make it back, blah, blah, blah. And, yeah. you know, things take on a life of their own. So, yeah. Yeah. um Stroh's the one that 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 immediately comes to mind, and now that I've been um, following some of the things he's been saying of late, um, you're not upset. That. <laughs> uh, no, I never was, but yeah, almost validated now.
3: The Houston Astros get a triple from Altuve, and they get a uh, they get a single, which brings him in, and they're up one nothing on the Phillies. What they did yesterday, the let's talk about that. They got the the World Series combined no hitter.
9: Second time in the history of baseball they did that. And ballsy, not only did they get the combined no-hitter, but they got to Philly early and took a scoreless game to make it 5 nothing in a hurry, took the crowd out of the game, and they began to, to the football term, began to impose their will. That's when it became very clear, okay, this is why the Astros are the Astros, yeah, they blew a 5 nothing lead in game one. That's not going to happen again. And this is a very good hitting team. Noah Syndergaard once upon a time was a quality pitcher, 2015 with the Mets. Noah Sindergaard no longer is a quality pitcher. And I don't see him getting out of the third inning tonight.
3: Well, you're you're uh, probably right cuz he's in trouble right now. Nobody out, one nothing. A man on first. Big Jordan
9: Alvarez at the yeah. plate too. Ab-
3: By the way, I like those uh, Astros orange unis. Do you? Like this is a battle of two good unis. I like the baby blue and red the old school Phillies unis and I like these Astros unis.
9: I do too, but I love the Phillies ones. Yeah, throwback. Yeah, they're nice. Powder blues. Yeah, they're they're legit.
3: Where does Philly uh, now? We talked a little bit about Philadelphia. Where does Philly rank on sports cities for you?
9: Right up there. I mean it. It matters a lot. um, Pro sports there, a lot, a lot. It is. It's a blue collar town. It's you know what people they want a winner, ballsy, of course, but more than anything else. They just want to know that you as the athlete, you care that you're busting your butt, that you're throwing it all out there, that you're laying it all on the line. Yeah. And, um, the, one of the NFL teams I haven't been to, like, I really want to get to the link. I really want to go watch an Eagles game at Lincoln financial field. Um, because that place just looks bananas.
3: Yeah. So speaking of the Eagles earlier, before you came on, I looked at their schedule, I only see really two games that could give them trouble, the Titans and the Cowboys. They have a legitimate shot to go 17-0 and 0 now in the regular season. That's not even
9: a joke. I think what you just did was you just proclaimed the Houston Texans the winner tonight, didn't you? <laughs> <The> <laughs> I hope Houston. not. I picked the Eagles to it, win. <laughs> right. Um, here, here's what I'll tell you about that. Who in the NFC, outside of Philadelphia – and maybe Dallas. And I don't even put Dallas worries you.
3: San Francisco with McCaffrey and I think Jimmy G I think Jimmy G is uh he's not spectacular, but he can get it done.
9: Once they get Debo Samuel back, becomes interesting. Suddenly you have Brandon Ayuk, yeah, and you have Christian McCaffrey, and then you get Debo who's as dynamic as they come. And you'll also get Eric Armstead back in the middle of that defense. That would help them.
3: Sure. But other than that, okay. other than that, yeah. I don't see anything else in the NFC. Absolutely not.
9: Right. And so that's why, like, to me, this is wide open. I almost look at the NFC as this year's Baseball National League. Like, the Phillies had no business getting into the playoffs. In any other year, they wouldn't have. It's expanded playoffs that got them into the postseason. Um, but they got in, they were healthy, and they got hot. And to me, that's that's going to be what's going to happen in the in the NFC this year. Oh, wait a minute! Wait Alex, a minute! Wait, just wait in the just, AFC last just year. Just
3: wait a minute! Wait a minute! Wait a minute! You don't think your Vikings? They're rolling. No. The Vikings are rolling.
9: Um, somebody, somebody asked me, "Hey, you got to be confident about your Vikings?" I said, "Not really," and they said, "Why?" I said, "It's because I watch the games."
3: <laughs> <laughs> you know what hey I'm glad you brought that up that's a great point and a nice segue into my CFL talk I yeah. believe yesterday's debacle at the CFL we'll get into that in a second but part of the problem Marash, before we talk about the CFL part of it there are less and less media covering the league now there are less and less people paying attention to, what, really paying attention to the games outside of their market. So I look at it, you know, people say, oh, Adam Bigel, sure, hey, Janarian Grant, he plays on a 15-3 and team. Like, they're not really looking at, they're really not doing a deep dive and doing their job diligently. That's why I got pissed off yesterday. I'm like, when I saw it come out, I'm like, you know what? Don't even give me a ballot. I literally was uh, up against it filling it, uh, filling it out, and I was driving back from Calgary, and I was stopping every couple of hours to finish my ballot in time, and then I see the results and I'm like, this is crazy. So
9: I hear you on Adam Big Hill. Um, but to me the egregious one wasn't that at all. Like, you know, you could you can make the um, you can make the argument there, if you will. Um, my issue is Andrew Harris for instance.
8: Yeah. How
9: does Andrew Harris get, like, did, did nobody, somebody had to type that, that out. Somebody had to, you know, did, did, was there never a sober second thought? Was there not anybody who said, wait a minute, how, how could this be? Well, as is said, anybody I- there watching the game? is anybody yes. there following, um, there was a Blue Bombers, uh, Donald Rutledge Jr., the linebacker for yep. DB. Yeah. He was demoted to the practice roster. I know.
3: I, I l- Listen, how is Mario Elford the Western nominee for special teams player of the year? He did something that only four other people have done in the history of this league in one season. He is the Western nominee for the special teams player, but he is not an all star. They take Grant out of Winnipeg. Like, there are so many. There are so many. But here's my thing. This is where I want to go with this, okay? okay. Now, listen, I know it's it's low hanging fruit for the people that want to beat up on the league. I said this to Suda earlier. If I'm Amar Doman and I'm in Toronto today announcing that the BC Lions with the with the commissioner getting the gray cup, you can bet that afterwards I'm going to look at him and go, what the, like, you can't even get the little details right. How the hell can you not get your all-star awards right?
9: And look, I, I actually, look, I'm, I'm as big a critic of the league as there is. And I didn't jump on this last night or today because people make mistakes. I've made mistakes too. But, but my real issue with this is, who typed that out? Who looked that over? Who tabulated it and said, and not one person said, hold on a minute, this just doesn't make sense. For instance, do we really believe that you're going to get a news release saying Tom Brady's a top player in the top quarterback in the NFC this season? <laughs> but that that's really, you know, like... Like, Andrew Harris didn't play the majority of the year. How? To me, the question is, how does this happen? Not not the tabulation and the weights or whatever. It's more the, at some point, there had to be a human who had to look at this. And not once did anybody say, hold on, this doesn't make sense.
3: Well, and kudos to the league. They apologized right away and they tried to totally, and, and, totally. tr- and they rectified it and and yeah, I don't want to bang on them too. I'm just saying get the little things right. You gotta get the little things right. Uh you know, it's yeah. not a catastrophe, but like we've said earlier with other uh, guests, I hope the guys that for instance, Keen Schaefer Baker got the all star nomination, then got it taken away. Derek Moncrief's the riders only uh nomination now or all star. Uh they both should get bonus.
9: Key and Schaefer Baker not been- get that nomination anyway
3: <laughs> well they get, believe it or not malik henry wasn't an all-star when he had an all-star type year in calgary that's what i mean there were no calgary offensive linemen picked initially when they had the leading rusher and gave up the fewest sacks ridiculous okay let's get into these two games yeah hamilton montreal who do you got and why
9: i have not only hamilton winning this sunday ballsy I have Hamilton repeating what they did last year, Mm. going into Toronto in the East final and beating the Argos again. I think Hamilton's going back to the gray cup. I think it's going to be one of the best turnaround stories in pro sports in a long time. They are playing good football. They are pretty healthy. And Orlando Steinauer is a hell of a coach and they have some championship pedigree. They have enough vets. They have a quarterback who's done it, who's been there. And I really think they're the superior team to Montreal. Mm -hmm. I think they have the superior quarterback to Montreal. And like we were just saying, once you're on a bit of a roll and you get in, that's, oh man, Kyle Schwarber just hit a home run to the moon. I saw that. I saw that. Um, Once you get on a bit of a roll, Watch out. And Hamilton's on that roll right now. I got him back to the Grey Cup again, not just this week.
3: Wow. I don't know if I could... Normally, I'd agree with you. You make a great case there, Mr. Matlock. But um <laughs> uh, I Dane Evans, I don't know if I can buy a stock. He's been up and down, up and down, up and down like my uh Bitcoin.
9: Right. But you just got to be up for two weeks. You just got to do it for two games. It's true. And... um I'm with you. Look, even last year in the Grey Cup, he was down. And it took Jeremiah Masoli coming in off the bench to get him back into it and, and the rest. But... um but you know, I, I I like Hamilton. I like Hamilton a lot.
3: I think if the BC Lions are to win on Sunday, they got to play with the lead. Now that sound that might sound stupid to some, but they got to get out to lead and take Calgary out of their ball control, run the football type of thing. They need like a turnover for a short field, get a lead. I'm not saying Rourke can't drive, him, but you know what I mean. You got a guy coming off major surgery. You don't want to rely on him for 80, 90 yard drives, and that's what BC had this year. They're 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 returning game hasn't been great. Their special team's just okay in that facet, and they can't stop the run. Those are two chinks in their armor. On the other side, Calgary has a great front seven defensively. We talked about their O-line, the way they can run the ball. Their secondary is suspect to me, so those are a couple of different things I see.
9: So, I like Calgary. I like Calgary for a few reasons. One, I think in this game, just in this matchup this week, they have the superior quarterback. Nathan Rourke's the better overall quarterback. Nathan Rourke's taken how many snaps in the last how many weeks? Mm -hmm. Nathan Rourke's never played a playoff game before. There's going to be a lot asked to Nathan Rourke in this game. And I think that Calgary is going to be able, you know, it's going to come down to ball control. They have the best offensive line, in my opinion, in the league. They're going to be able to run the football. And they're going to be able to establish the line of scrimmage. And... You know, there's so much talk about playoff experience. How many of those BC Lions have played meaningful playoff games? Well, the quarterback certainly hasn't. Um, A lot of those Stampeders have. I think that matters in this game. The conditions are not a factor. I think that actually helps Jake Mayer going into this game. Uh, I like Calgary. I like Calgary a lot. And to me, Calgary-Winnipeg next week would be outstanding.
3: I'll tell you what, man. Before I let you go, let's talk about Amar Doman for a second. Here's a guy that has put his money, effort, everything into this thing. This guy is giving different... And his reputation. his reputation, don't forget. That's a big one. 100%. And he, you know, rich people don't want to be embarrassed, okay? And they don't like to lose money. He is giving he subsidized concession prices over the year he's now giving you know it worked in conjunction with Seahawk fans um he uh, now is giving special pricing to people in Kelowna and and outlying areas, and helping to get them transportation and special ticket prices. Like this dude, uh, Sarah McLaughlin, Stephen Page, entertainment. Like he is making it the place to be. So it is a Nathan Rourke effect, but it's the hard work from Dolman and his family that's got thirty thousand at this game.
9: It's both. It's both. Um... It's it's the Nathan Rourke effect that got everybody interested, and then the full-court press from there. Uh, here's what Amar Doman's done that I think is really interesting. and It sounds so very basic, but what's the name of that franchise, Balzi? The BC Lions. Right. They're not the Vancouver Lions. They're not the Lower Mainland Lions. They are the BC Lions, and what Doman has done is he has made the outreach – Significant. He, as you said, he's expanded the borders of the fan base around the franchise, far beyond Surrey and far beyond Abbotsford and Vancouver and the rest. And that's huge. He's getting the entire province back engaged with this football franchise. And I know we're not supposed to speak ill of the dead. But this is something that a lot of people in David during the David Braley ownership just said, we need new new ownership here because this guy is not investing anything. Doman has gone all in. And you're right. Businessmen don't like to lose money. They don't like to be embarrassed. And this guy made a vow and a promise and a public one. And so far, he has lived up to all of it. And people around that football club, like, as you know, Balzi. There's, there's nothing more that sports people, front office employees like to do than complain about all that's going wrong internally and complain about why we can't get this and why we can't get that. There are a lot of people around the BC Lions that say, you oh, know, no, no, ownership's good. They mm-hmm. take care of us here. And I love and that, that That's important. Too. That matters.
3: That's one of my favorite stadiums to go to, too. I love that stadium. It's, it's great. great. It's a great place. Hey, thanks for your time, man. I always love these talks, and I really can't wait to break bread with you at the Grey Cup Week.
9: Thanks, Posey. Me
3: too. Take care. That's Arash Madani, Coast to Coast for Smart Investing Solutions, and our great friend Brian Golly sponsoring that. When we come back, we'll wrap things up talking high school football out in Belgoni. This is the Sports Cage. 4spreads.ca on 620.
0: Where Saskatchewan sports fans come to talk. This is the Sports Cage on Sports Radio 620 CKRM.
3: Love talking grassroots football, and I'm... Really pleased to be joined by Corey Lechner, the longtime coach of the Balgoni-Greenall-Griffins. Now, uh, what is it, 20, 21st year coaching? Yeah,
5: it's around 20 to 21, around there, Balvi. Wow, does it keep you young? Uh, that's debatable, I think. So. <laughs> <laughs> how, how How has it changed
3: from year one to year 20 for you through your eyes? Athletes, how you deal with them?
5: Well, I think your kids are, are more skilled. I think they, they play a lot more football than they used to. It's almost like for summer athletes, it's a it's a year-round thing, and uh, that's changed. Now we have kids that go do select in U16 and U18, and uh, football's a lot stronger, as you probably would agree, than it used to be.
3: So. Yeah, for sure. And, Corey, back in the day, I would assume, correct me if I'm wrong, when you first started, you told the kid what to do, he or she did it. Now you tell a kid what to do, and you have to tell them why they're doing it, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. Am I right when I say that?
5: Yeah, well, I think the kids' uh, football IQ is, is is higher than it used to be, and uh, um, I think kids are more invested in it than than they used to be. I think so.
3: All right, so you won the 5A championship in terms of the city last year. You win it again this year. How is this year's team different than last year's team? You know, you always have a turnover in high school. you can't sign any free agents. You might get a hot shot grade nine or 10. but how is this team different than last year's team?
5: Well we're, we're a younger team. We have a lot of uh, grade 11 this year. We had, we had 28 grade 12s last year, and now we only had uh, now we have nine, so we're a younger team. Um, I think uh, we're going to have a, a strong team next year as well, is what I predict. So,
3: All right, so uh, you guys uh, did uh, win the championship over uh, Sheldon, and now you play your adversaries, the your familiar adversaries, the Weyburn High School football team, and they rinsed you guys pretty bad last year. What's the difference between uh, last year and this year for them as you see it?
5: Well, I think they moved on a number of, of players, but uh, I think they've replaced a few of them and uh i think they had some 10s and 11s last year they're were, they're were pretty strong players and now they're 11th and 12 so i think it's gonna be a tough game again
3: what's the strength of their team before i ask the strength of your team
5: they're a physical team they're big um i think they're pretty well skilled and i don't know how, if they have many weaknesses we're gonna try to work on them as much as we can to attack as much as we can, so now that's we tough to say.
3: Now, we know everybody in the world listens to this show, wink, wink, so you don't want to give too much away, uh, Corey Lechner, but what what's the strength of your team? How do you plan to attack these guys?
5: Um, I think we have some uh, athletic kids um, that hopefully are going to move the ball for us, and we're going to have to tackle, 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 and uh, if the weather's going to be hopefully decent, um, maybe we can throw the ball a little bit. I don't know. We'll see.
3: It's a privilege though to play this deep. When the weather's bad you know you've done well.
5: Oh you bet. I know I remember uh you know, we won the league four uh, times and every time I go out there, Fred, the first practice after, we've, you know, we're going to provincials, it's nice to see, you know, sure we're playing in the snow, but, uh, um, not many uh, teams are playing right now. And, uh, we're definitely happy that we're still playing. Can you give me some of the names
3: and my listeners, some of the names that, uh, that, that come to top of mind for you on your team? I know you'd like to name everybody, but maybe some of those senior guys that have done a good job for you.
5: Well, we have a uh, player named Tanner Weir. He's committed with the Rams. He's a, uh, um a big physical player and uh, I think he's gonna be important. Uh Caden Bisdale is a good uh, really good kicker and good receiver. He kicked a couple of uh forty seven yard field goals and uh, against Sheldon, which is pretty good for a high school kicker. Um I think those are our two of our key guys. We've got a couple of great elevens, Levi Kinos and uh Reed Helgeson, that are hopefully gonna carry a lot of the load as well.
3: Now, lastly, Corey, uh, this wouldn't be possible without the great coaching around you and support staff. Maybe you just want to give a shout out there because, yeah, you're the face of it. you got to be the guiding hand, but you got to have a lot of great people around you. The best coaches surround themselves with equal or better coaching.
5: Oh, you bet. I've got a, a pile of uh, coaches that definitely know more about football than I do. And uh, like uh, Matt Pfeiffer, he's uh, our old coordinator. He does, he does a lot of our offensive uh planning, and uh, Mike Sash is a uh, former Regina Ram, he's he played a lot of post-secondary football, and uh, Tanner Osborne's been with our program, he's our D coordinator, He's he's been committed for a long time, he's been around almost as long as I have, so we have a lot of coaches that uh, put a lot of time in, and uh, it uh, definitely is, is the strength of our program.
3: Well, Corey, it's been a great talking to you, it's always nice catching up with you, and good luck in the rematch, now that goes Saturday, 1 o'clock at Libel Field, I'm
5: right about that? that- that's correct. It's going to be a, a tough game. We're going to play hard, and we'll see what happens.
3: Grassroots football, Saskatchewan's rolling, and it starts right here with programs like this out in Balgoni. Thanks for your time, Corey.
0: Yeah, thanks, Baldy. Today's sports cage has come to a close. Miss a segment? Download or stream the podcast now at sportscage.ca. Get your sports straight from the source. Six twenty CKR.